Welcome to the New Beginnings Community Church Podcast. Here at NBCC, we welcome the imperfect, flawed, and broken, as much as the healing and thriving, because we are all God's children. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Good so far? Okay, so far. You may not be doing good after this message. No, I'm just joking. Um, if you're uh, first time with us, a guest here online or in person here, I'm Jim Del Campo. It's good to have you with us. I hope it's not your last time. And um, just to kind of catch up to speed here, we're in a series. This is um, fourth week in the series, and we're um, going through. Uh, uh, basically, it's a compilation of 32 years of myself studying Genesis three and looking at all the issues in my life and in my talking to people and counseling people over 30 years and taking down notes and writing the notes, categorizing the notes, and finally I felt free enough to, okay, I'm going to go for this. And it's going to be about a 10-week series. We're in week four. And there's a lot of things I just share from my own life. And you guys appreciate I share those stories from my life? Yeah. Yeah, I'll bet you too. <laughs> Better you than me, Jim. <laughs> Um, so, um, I've been doing that, and we're progressing, and today we're going to look at rejecting the image of God. And like I said before, the verses we use in Genesis 3, we'll use them again and again and take out this nuance and this way sideways and go this way with it, because there's so much in Genesis 3. Genesis 3 is my second favorite uh, chapter in the entire Bible. Of course, you know my favorite chapter is the prodigal son, Luke chapter 15, and and I'm hoping that next year or the year after, I'll do a whole series on that and really take all my notes out from, you know, 30 years and really do a good number on that one there. But right now we're in Genesis 3, and I want to talk to you. I want to refresh your minds a bit, especially for those who haven't been here for this one. And you can go back. Uh, the messages are on NBCC Norco YouTube channel. The series is Cycle Breaker, Cycle Maker. But remember that Eve, <clears throat> Eve was physically perfect. Everyone a flaw on that woman. And uh, as I say every time I bring this up, she, um, she would make every Hollywood starlet look bad. She would blow away every Miss Universe and the history of Miss Universe all put together. She was just utter perfection. And then um, she's tempted to sin. She takes the fruit. She eats, gives it to Adam, eats, and sin enters into the world, changes everything. We live in a fallen world. This is a fallen world. So never expect it to be perfect or the way you think it should be. It's just not going to be. Um, but once that happens, she takes the fig leaves. They sew them together and they make coverings for themselves. Now think about that. She's physical perfection. There ain't nothing wrong with her. And nothing has changed physically about her by the eating of the fruit by sinning. What's changed is now her spirit died to God. She doesn't have a spiritual connection to God anymore like like uh, when we were born again, your spirit's rebirthed and you have a connection with God. Um, but now she moves from, oh, I'm from perfection to, oh no, something's wrong with me. And she begins to cover up, but there's nothing physically wrong with her at all. She's physical perfection. So that's really, an, it's a really strange idea if you just think about it. She's really saying to herself, because her husband Adam is there, and he's naked too, and uh, they're covering up, and she's really saying, am I desirable? Would, any, would anybody want this? Am I good enough? 
and yet she's physical perfection. Think about it. I want you to think about this. She is rejecting herself, is she not? Whose image is she created in? God's. Therefore, by rejecting herself and this image, who is she ultimately rejecting? God. If you think about it. That's a real heavy idea right there. There's a rejection of self, and I'm creating the image of God, and now there's a rejection of God by my covering up. Now let's review. Statement, please. I've said this every week. At a certain point, I'm not going to do the statements and all this stuff anymore, but here we go. Sin says, put it up there. Sin says, I've done wrong, I've done bad. Shame says, I'm wrong, I'm bad. One, two, three. Sin says, Shame says, I'm wrong, I'm bad. Take it off the screen, please. Now, I'm going to try this. I'm going to count to three, you say it now. Now, sin starts, sin says, one, two, three. Sin Good. You're beginning to get it. And it takes a while to get it, to really understand, not just the phrase, but to really understand it. Because guilt emphasizes behavior, what I've done. Shame personalizes it, and it attacks identity. Who I am, what I am, I'm wrong, I'm bad. And it enters into every area of our life. Now let's do the math. I do the math every week. Shame is a result of sin, correct? Everyone has sinned, correct? Therefore, everyone has shame. That's right. And so because of that, they hide. They sew fig leaves together, and they start hiding from each other. Then they jump in the trees. When God comes along, trees have leaves, and now they're hiding from God. More leaves. So shame always separates, hides out, covers up. I don't want you to know the real me. You might not accept the real me. I don't want you to know these things about my life. And then the thing, the power of the secret comes into play. And pretty soon that secret, those things that we don't share, they get more powerful, more powerful. And they get such a grip on our life that we feel like I have no control over this area of my life. Any amens on that? Yeah, it's a quiet amen because it's true. Now, shame has various degrees and various departments. Remember that? I may have shame 80% in this one department of my life, or you may have it 12%. But in another department of my life, I may have shame like 15%, you may have it 65% in that area. It's just various degrees, various departments, but know that shame invades every pocket, every crevice of your being because it's toxic, it's poison, it's identity, it's an identity issue. So it invades everything. Don't think that it's just in the glove compartment or it's in the tires of your, of your personhood. No, it's everywhere. It's in the headliner, the seats, it's in the engine, it's in the exhaust, it's in the wheels, it's in every part of your life. Every part of your life. It's in every part of my life. Now, shame, the word means to be disappointed. Remember they were naked before they sinned? They were naked and they were unashamed. They were not disappointed with themselves at all. Then they sinned and now they cover up because they're disappointed. And you could translate it like, oh, I fall short. Maybe I'm a fraud in this area. I'm not desirable. Who would want me? Who would want this? Who would do, you know, etc., etc. It's not good enough for you. So here's what we're going to do. First off, in point one, I'm going to take you into who you are. 
Because that's very important because I want to at least counteract shame as I go along till I get to the last message and show you kind of a system on out, how to get out of this. Show you who you are. Then in point two, we're going to take this whole idea of the rejection of self and I'm going to take it down in application, nitty gritty, and I'm going to share things the way, the way I used to be in my life and, and then I'm going to bring it back to who you are. Sound like a plan? Yes or no? Yes. Okay, good. Because you didn't have a choice in it. Anyway. <laughs> point one, and that's this. God created us in His image. Right? Now watch this in... Um, in Genesis chapter 1 and verses 24 to 28. I'm going to read it very deliberately so I can go back and deliberately make some statements. Verse 24. This is the sixth and final day of creation because God will rest on the seventh day. That's right. So if you think about that, God makes Adam on the sixth day. Adam's first full day of creation of existence is a rest day. Isn't that amazing? Your first day is a rest day, not a work day. Verse 24, though. That's a free one. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures after their kind, cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth after their kind. And it was so. God made the beasts of the earth after their kind and the cattle after their kind and everything that creeps on the ground after its kind and God saw that it was good now here watch this same day sixth day then God said let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth God created man in his own image in the image of God, he created him male and female. Before this, Adam and Eve didn't have the names Adam and Eve. They were Ish and Isha. They were male, female. They were, they were one. That's the way marriage is. Created male and female. He created them. Verse 28. God blessed them. And God said to them, Oh, isn't that interesting? That God can speak and speaks to humans, right? God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. Of course, they didn't do that. Mankind eventually built a tower of Babel, did not subdue the earth, did not fill the earth. So God had to change that. And subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, let's, let's, let's break this thing down. God created us in His image. Now, I want to show you who you are, just from those four verses. First off, this is day six of creation. Correct? Say yes, Jim. Okay, good. What's unusual or unique about it is this, because there's, there's a couple things, or more than one thing in there. At first it says, and God said, let us make the cattle and the creeping things, everything that goes on land. On that same day, it says, in the same day, it says again, again it says, and God said. So over here, it says, and God said, let's make the cattle, etc. And then on the same day it says, and God said. Ah. But this time, he says, and God said, let's make man in our image, our likeness, etc. So now you see that God is making a distinction. There's a difference between the animals, and God said, and humans, and God said. Any amens? Now you see there's a distinction. There's something unique about humankind. I'll show you something better than that. It says when God makes, 
He's going to make mankind. It says, and God said, let us make man in our image. Notice that us and our, plural. Father, Son, Holy Spirit in there. One God, three persons. But if you think about the statement, let us make man in our image. Now, when God says, you know, God said, you know, he's going to make the cattle, he makes them. But when God makes mankind, he says, let us. Let's come together, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Let's put our minds together and let's create humankind. You ever thought about that about yourself? That the whole Godhead came together in consultation to create who you are? Have you ever thought like that? Because that's the truth right there. I'll throw another one at you. If you notice in the verses, when God creates all the animals and everything, He says He created the cattle, the creeping things, after their own that's right, after their own kind. They create their own kind. By the way, that's a statement right there that blows uh, evolution out of the water. You don't evolve, it creates after its own kind. But he says, we'll create that after its own kind. But when it comes to humankind, it says, let us make man in our image. Oh, so we're created after a certain kind, just like the animals are created after their own kind. We humans are created after a kind. And what kind is that? We're created after God's image, right? So we're created after kind. You put those things together and you start to realize there is something unique about you, is there not? You're the highest creation of God. And I'll throw one in there before I go to Psalm 8, and that's this. This whole earth here has all been fine-tuned. Fine-tuned, which is another um, evidence of a creator of this universe and everything. It's all fine-tuned so that you and I could have life on earth. Any amens? Isn't that incredible? Just one thing that your lungs are creating away and oxygen in the atmosphere that your lungs need oxygen. You breathe it in, carbon dioxide goes out, tree leaves get a hold of it, turn it back into oxygen. Isn't that incredible? So that's just one little thing. It's all fine-tuned. And it's been fine-tuned for you and your life and me and my life. But it doesn't even just end there. Watch this in Psalm 8 of who you are and what God says who you are. This is David, the Old Testament David who becomes king. David. He says in Psalm 8, 3, 4, and 5 this. And remember, he was a shepherd. He's been out there in the shepherd fields as a young teenage boy looking up at the stars. And I, when I consider your heavens, talking to God, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have ordained, what is man that you take thought of him? Have you ever realized that God thinks about you? Have you? He thinks about you. And the Son of Man, that you care for Him. Yet, you have made Him a little lower than God, and you crown Him with glory and majesty. Now, let me tell you what just went on in those verses. David, he has been out there in the shepherd's fields many, many months and years before he ever became in the service of King Saul, then he becomes king of Israel. But to be out there, how many of you ever been? Just because I've, I've climbed up to 14,500 feet. I've camped at 12,400 feet up in the high Sierras. And when you're up that high and there's no light around you, my goodness, you could see every star in the sky. Any, how many know what I'm talking about? I mean, the Milky Way that you cannot see in your, in your backyard tonight here, up there, you feel like you could drink milk from the Milky Way. It's just so clear. It's incredible. But you look at these things and you realize the vastness. David is saying, I've been out there. I've been out there. He's from the Middle East. Dark at night. They have no lights. They have no this. And at night, he look up at the star. You see it all. And he begins to realize something that he's telling us. 
3,000 years later, he's telling us. He says, look, God thinks about you. And you are God's creation, and you've been created a little lower than God. You know what that means? Culture says you and I are just a little bit above the apes. But God says, nope, that's incorrect. You and I are just a little bit below God. Any amens on that? And that gives you identity, and that gives you purpose, and that gives you reason, all this fine-tuning, everything. Now, let me tell you what that means, though. I believe there's a real devil, real demon. Just say, I don't believe in all this stuff. Really? Look around, okay? See the evidence of it. But we're God's highest creation, creating the image of God. Do you think Satan likes that? No, he always goes after the image of God, always goes after the image. He always goes after to shadow the image of God. So you lose your identity and who you are and who God made you to be and who's your father in heaven. Because man, once you begin to understand that, it changes everything. Now, I'm going to come back to some of those things I just said at the end to really punch it home. But now I got to get into the application of how this works in relationship and emotional issues and dysfunction and all the fun stuff. Amen? Okay, here we go. Point two. Adam and Eve now reject and cover the image of God. Now, today, we're going to look at these fig leaves covering up from an inward perception. I'm covering up because I have an inward perception about myself. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm not desirable. I'm this, that. But it, it really um, it has consequences with our outward relationships. That's today. Next Sunday, we're going to flip those fig leaves and we're going to see how they, these fig leaves become, since I reject myself, and they, they become outward projections. I recreate my own image, not in the image of God. Any amens? That's all over society today. It's been all over society for centuries, but we're really going to dig that out next Sunday because the fig leaves are a recreation of something else. That's when you live out your life and you're not even living who you are. And that's happening all over the place. Now, Look at Genesis 3, 7, a verse that we look at every week on this. Remember, Adam and Eve reject and cover the image of God. Verse 7 of Genesis chapter 3. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. Huh, okay, here we go. Okay, before I get into all the application stuff or anything, I, I just need to rehearse something because otherwise we forget and that's not me, that's not me, no, not me. Does the past affect the present? Yes, it does. We covered that two weeks ago, but I'm going to cover a little bit again right now. You know what I am. I've shared it. I'm an adult child of an alcoholic. My dad was intoxicated every day of my life except for three days. And then, when I was older, and he had a stroke, and I led him to the Lord in the emergency room, the old emergency room of Corona Regional Hospital. He stopped drinking. And those are the only times. But other than that, he was intoxicated every day. Alcoholism looks different in many different ways. People always say, I'm not an alcoholic. Oh, tell me about it. Oh, you're an alcoholic. There's 80 million of me in America both adults and kids of children of alcoholics. So there's a lot of us who have seven, at least up to 17 issues, relational issues in our life that are not good. The abnormal becomes normal. Now, here's where we run into problems. 
I talk to people and they say, oh no, my, my parents were, yeah, but my grandfather or my grandmother was an alcoholic. See, and this is where we get a little bit mixed up. We've got to understand this. Thank God your mom or dad, whoever is the child of that alcoholic, thank God they broke that addiction cycle. But they still carry the emotional and relational patterns of that cycle in their life. Does that make sense? And unless you deal with it, unless you're honest about it, it's, that's why when I hear people coming, you know, they come out of addiction, oh, I broke this and that, I'd like, to, I'd like to sit down and go, okay, but let's talk about the emotional, relational issues that are out of that thing, that just because you broke the physical addiction, which, praise the Lord, but there are other pieces to the whole puzzle, right? Now, you got to think about those things. That's where you look back, not to be negative or blame people in the past, because you're your problem now. Any amens on that? But you've got to connect the dots. You've got to figure out, why am I this way? Now, there's all kinds of different homes we grew up in. Some of you grew up in homes where there was just, somebody was really angry and yelling a lot, right? Some of you grew up in homes where just a lot of fighting, right? Some of you grew up in homes where there's other addictions going on. Some of you had mom or dad leave at a young age. They just left. Some of you, there was adulterous for a moment and they left. Some of you grew up with parents or a parent. You could never get it right. It wasn't good enough. And you still feel that way in your life even today. Some of you grew up in homes where they were in the home, but they were so occupied with work or this or that that they were, they were disconnected from you emotionally and you were basically on your own. I know what that feels like. <clears throat> some of you grew up in homes or some of you grew up where you had certain physical things about you and people in school picked on you and picked on you and picked on you and they made fun of those things you start taking the stuff you start stacking it on a shame issue for a base it gets bad some of you were sexually molested that's a bad one you put that in shame, it sends a shame issue crazy. Just crazy. It's a tough one. And you really need to talk to somebody about it because you have no idea how it's affecting the way you relate to people and how you view yourself. I remember right before I was going to plant this church, I was 35 years old. I was working at another church just in the meantime because they knew I was going to leave to plant. And they used me for teaching and for counseling. They sent a lady to me. She was in her 40s, if I remember correctly. And in the counseling session, she made the statement. She said, my dad said I can't be saved. And I go, what? She said, my dad said I can't be saved. I'm just, I'm, I'm bad. I'm just too bad. I can't be saved. That's hogwash. Of course you could be sick. No, my dad said. It took me over an hour of dialoguing and talking and dialoguing and talking to help her get past that lie in her head that was placed by her father years and years and years and years ago that she still carried in her head. But I finally started to spin that mind around into truth. How many lies 
have we intercepted from others or been told and they still sink into our head and we don't even realize they're affecting us today? That's a big, big deal, guys. It's a big deal. That's why the Word of God is what washes the mind clean. I cannot stress enough for you to read it, Bible study it, everything, because it's washing, washing, washing the mind clean. Now, this rejection of self. You have young daughters, daughters. You better be careful, watch. Because you live in a world now. They're going to get to your kids. One of the ways is they're going to get it this way. Social media is a good thing, but it's a really dangerous thing too. My daughter-in-law, Lindsay, with my one of my granddaughters, Lincoln, she don't even want me to show the phone to her. She wants to keep that phone away from her until she's older because this is the way they get in. And they'll talk to your daughters and stuff and your daughters are vulnerable. Haven't you ever noticed? Some of you ladies, can I just find some honesty in the room? I mean, honestly, how many of you went to that time when you were young and you didn't like yourself, you hated yourself, you thought you were ugly or whatever? Raise your hand, raise your hand. Hold them up high, please, so people can see. Raise them up, raise them up. Look at that. Okay, put them down. In social media, they'll play on those things. Next week, I'm going to share with you something because that's that while they're going in and they're trying to recreate who our kids are. It's crazy right now. And I'm going to take you down there. That's why you got to really be careful with those young kids because they're going after them and they're going after them in three-prong approach right now. And it's very dangerous what they're trying to teach our kids and where they're taking them right now. But young girls struggle with this rejection in it, this self-image. I'll even add that if you're in your teen, young gal, you're in your teens, you know, you don't have to hold on to a boyfriend by giving them sex, okay? That's just telling me that you don't like yourself enough to tell them no. You gotta love yourself. And you gotta force that person to love you and say, you want this body, then you marry this body first. Now that may be really old fashioned. You may say, you're so antiquated, I could care less what you think on that. <laughs> because what God says is way smarter than you. And that is what it is. It's what it is. I better stop there because I'll keep going on that one. Okay. <laughs> now let me get to the rejection tendencies. Let me take you down the rabbit hole now. And please just think, you may have this in percentages, whatever. This is, my, this is where I was. And I've talked to many people. This is a very common thing. The first thing is, when we reject ourselves, you know, I, I'm, you know our perception of ourselves, I'm not desirable, I'm this, I'm that, I'm whatever it is, we hunt. We begin to hunt. I know I did. What do I mean by hunt? You're in a relationship, maybe it's just friends, and you're hunting now. What are you hunting for? You're looking you're looking for ev any evidence in your mind that that person wants to reject you. Anyone know what I'm talking about? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Thank you for being honest. You're looking for it. <clears throat> That's why you have a lot of social anxiety or friendship anxiety. So you, you have these things. Now, there's something that I had to coin for myself because I like to coin phrases that helped me realize and recognize that this was a part of the problem in my life. I was a hunter. I'd always be looking. 
how are they going to reject me? So I coined the phrase, the daily test. You can call it the weekly test. You can call it the monthly test. You can call it whatever you want. I call it the daily test. Here's what I mean. On a regular basis, because my rejection issues are so strong, the way I perceive myself and what I went through in that alcoholic home, I would always put a girlfriend through the test. Do you, do you still like me? Do you still love me this week? Do you still like me today? And I would put them through that. Now, I'm going to talk more on this in about two weeks, maybe three, but let me give you one that I used to do. And, uh, oh, I just hate this about, if when I do it now, it's like, oh, don't, don't do that. I was a powder, not P-O-W-D-E-R, <laughs> P-O-U-T-E-R. I pouted in relationships because I learned that as a kid in my home that this is the way I got attention. I didn't realize I took it into my teen years and I remember in my teen years when I would be dating a girl and I would pout. I'd get real quiet. You know why I would do that? I was testing them. I wanted them to ask the question. What is, what's that question? What's the... Yeah, but more like, what's the matter? <laughs> because, you know, they're now, I'm 16, 17, but they're dating an 8-year-old. They don't know that. I didn't know that. But I was just quiet. Because the test is, let's see if they care enough to ask me the question, right? Let's see if they care enough to pursue me. Anybody know? Is that, am I making sense here to anybody? Yeah, raise your hand if I'm making sense anywhere. Okay. Raise your hand. Raise them up high. Okay. Raise your feet. No, I'm just joking. So that's what you're doing. That's what I was doing. You're testing it because you don't view yourself in a good light. It's a rejection issue in you. You think they're going to reject you, so you're always going to put them to the test. They're going to get tired of it, okay? Because my girlfriends got tired of it. And I couldn't figure out why they got tired of it because, you know, I was so healthy at a 16-year-old girl. Now... Once you go into the hunt and you're always hunting for what's, what is it? How are they going to reject me? Then you go to the second thing I realize in my life. Then we misinterpret. Oh, misinterpreting, that's real fun. That's when you're with people or your flame, flame by definition, girlfriend, boyfriend. Okay, just so you know that. Your spouse and you're with them. Now watch, now why? I've, I've asked this to many people. Yeah. You're with them and they just make a face and they go, and all of a sudden, you misinterpret that face, huh? Because you saw him go. And you're starting to think, are they mad? Is something wrong? Am I boring? Do they like me anymore? Are they going to break up with me? What's going on? Do I have a snot hanging? What's going on? I'm just joking. I relieve tension, you know. Anybody know what I mean? Anybody know what I mean? Okay, good. Here's the problem with that. We think we can read minds, right? Any mind readers here? Yeah, you think you can read minds. But guess what? Everything that's happening out there that your thing is going on, it's all in your head only. It's in no one else's head. No one's thinking it at all. So get over yourself. Okay? It's an insecurity in us. Now, let me just say. 
Olivia and I couldn't be more opposite. I'm the real talkative, outgoing kind of personality. And if you don't know what to do in your life, ask me. I'll tell you what to do in your life. <laughs> I have no problem with that, okay? I'll give you direction right now, man. But Olivia's quiet. If we walked into church and it was started already, I want to walk to the front because I want everybody to see me as I'm walking up. <laughs> Olivia, if it's, we're late, started, she wants to park across the street and worship from the car. That's just the way she is. She's more on the shy side. Now, when we were dating, I didn't understand this, her quietness, her shy side of her. I would sit there and she wouldn't talk much. And I'd think to myself, here's my mind reading and interpreting. Does she even like me? Am I boring? What's going on here? She'd have that blank look. Does she want to be with me? What's going on here? You know? And even, I ask her questions. And I finally realized that now when I do it, it's okay. But back then, it wasn't okay. I'd ask her questions about stuff, and she'd go. <laughs> and it would just be like that. One time, one time. I remember, I don't know if it was before we got married, after we got married, we're at her house. This is the only time I ever agreed with my mother-in-law on anything. One time, my mother-in-law, and there's like five of you, Olivia, one, two, there's six of you, right? Six of you. And my mother-in-law says, she's all irritated. She goes, my kids, they don't have a, none of them have a curious bone in their body. They never even ask a question what's going on. And I heard that, I go, I know! <laughs> I was like, yes, yes, preach it, sister! <laughs> it's like, she doesn't, Olivia, don't ask me any questions. Do you even care about me? <laughs> it's like, I better not go down that road, okay. <laughs> but it's like I would interpret, I'm interpreting. Now, I'm going to give you, you guys ready for a big truth to free you? No, really, are you really ready? Yes. Okay, good. Okay. Here's some big truths. So I'm going to free you guys right now. Maybe that person is making that face because that's their face. Am I right? Right? Wouldn't that just free you from all the stress of, do they like me? Okay, I'm going to free you again. Maybe they went, because they're thinking about pizza. Right? Am I right? Right? Because remember, you can't read minds, though you think you can. How about, I'm going to free you, I'm going to free you, I'm going to free you right now. Maybe that, talk to guys, maybe that girlfriend or that wife, when they say, I'd like to hang out with my girlfriends tonight, maybe that's really what they're going to do, and it has nothing to do with you? Right? right? Am I right? Yeah. How many of you, like I used to when I was younger, and I'll admit it, I remember this when I was talking in first service, I had to write it down. I forgot all about that. I would do the drive-by. Oh, you know the drive-by is on. I'd drive by her house. Is Olivia really gone or home tonight? Let's see where she's really at. 
I would do the drive. Any drive-by guys here? Drive, raise your hand. Any drive-by gals? Raise your hand. Oh, you know, raise your hand. Shut up, everybody. Quit acting. <laughs> oh, not me. I'm secure. <laughs> I'm going to free you. You're at some gathering, and maybe, just maybe, she's talking to some other guy, or, she, or your girlfriend, your boyfriend, or husband, talking to some lady. Maybe they're just talking to them and been talking to them. Does not mean they don't want you. Is that possible? That way you don't have to leave that party and drive home, and they have to ask you, what's the matter? nothing I'm just eight you know <clears throat> when you misinterpret because you're hunting because of rejection issues it's all about you am I right it's all about you now once you get to that point now the danger zone's really coming and that's the third thing and that's the re we reenact and this is a crazy crazy thing now we've hunted we're misinterpreting they don't want me and now we're going to sabotage the relationship let's blow it up right now let's start a fight right now we're going to have our 80th serious talk in the last four hours you know and then if they're three minutes late where were you I know let me see your phone okay and you start clamping down harder and harder and then you blow it up because you're hunting and you're misinterpreting everything now here's where it gets crazy and you've all seen it. You blow it up. You break it. Everything blows up. And then a week later, you have somebody new you're dating. Haven't you seen that one? Some of you in this room, you go, I haven't been dating six months. They find one in three hours after the breakup. <laughs> Listen, when they're finding dates that fast, guess what? You don't want to be that way, okay? Because they're breaking up over here because, you know, they're hunting, misinterpreting, blow it all up. And then they break up, and when they go to this other person, they go, oh, this person's nothing like this person. And you look at it and you go, they're exactly the same person. They just have a different face on them. That's all it is. There's no deer dating the same person. They just look different on the face. But they went to the same person. And you're sitting there going, they get dates all the time. You don't want to go down that road. Because then nobody's healing up on that. It's just dysfunction after dysfunction. All it is now is here's. Remember, I'm going to date myself, all of us who are older my age. Remember the day we had vinyl? We used to call them albums, you know, because they have to rebrand it, you know. We'd have our, our record players, and we'd put it on there, and we'd play the song, and be, ba-ba-ba-benny and the k, ba-ba-ba-benny and the k, ba-ba-ba-benny and the k, ba-ba-ba-benny and the shy. That song was my senior year in high school. That was great. Hey, easy, okay. But then we turn our lives into this reenactment. We just keep skipping, say, we just play the same thing over and over. Now you're in the danger zone. You keep following the same pattern over and over again. You're just reenacting it. And we, you're now in a cycle that's busted and broken and you reenact, you do, we do it with people, we do it with churches, we do it with small groups. I mean, some people in this church, every church, I'm not going to get in a group. If you do, you're going to find a reason why to quit. You're going to go in there and do something to blow it up. See, they don't like me. I'm leaving now. Never coming back. It's all in your head. You've been doing it all your life. We do it with friends, we do it with jobs, we do it with teachers, we do it at school. 
By the way, please don't go to the school and say, my child would never do that. It's the teacher's fault. Oh, yeah, your child is incapable of lying. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, like mine are. Come on. Now, I need to do a... Are you guys okay with staying like another few hours? No, I'm just sorry. I gotta hurry. I gotta really hurry because I'm over. Oh my gosh! But this is real important, and everything else was too. Okay. In dysfunction, it's extremes. You gotta understand this. It's called either or. I didn't coin that. I read that decades ago. But when you're in, when you're living dysfunctionally. Whenever it goes from way over here or when you swing, you swing way over here. For instance, when you finally realize something that you were doing wrong, didn't like the way and you finally said, ah, oh, light bulb on, I'm not going to do that anymore. Didn't you notice that you shifted all the way extreme over here? Didn't you notice that? But that's extreme too, right? And so you got to come back to the middle ground because that's where health is in the middle ground. That's what dysfunction does. I say that to say this. The flip side of this rejection abandonment issue is not blowing up and sabotaging the relationship. It flips to the other side. Here's the other side. The fear of abandonment and rejection is so powerful in you that you'll stay in the relationship no matter how much they verbally abuse you, no matter how much they cheat on you. They might even physically abuse you but you'll stay in that thing because you don't want to feel the pain of rejection because it's so deep. Is that crazy or what? It's crazy. Okay, I got to close off here. So let's rehearse. How do we, I got to give you something to, to say, look, this is how we make it out. It's identity. It's identity. You got to come to your identity. Let's go back. Earlier in the message, I said, look, Humankind was created on the same day as the animals, but first God said, and God said, he made the animal, then it said, and God said. Distinction. Mankind's the highest creation. You got remember that? Remember that. Then remember that when God created humankind, it was the Father, Son, Holy Spirit in consultation. Let us make man in our image. The consultation of the God to create you. Is that wild? And then remember that the animals are created after their own kind. Remember that? But you and I are created after our own kind. Let us make man in our image. You're created after the image of God, your own kind, right? That's identity. That's identity right there. Now, <clears throat> let me put, try to put this whole thing together. <clears throat> Once you start to realize this, and by the way, some of you some of you might need to talk to somebody, somebody who understands it. You can't, you can't fix yourself. The problem is it's there alone, the fig leaves, remember? I've heard too many Christians say, oh, I got it figured out. You got nothing figured out. All that means is you're going to be alone in it again. You think you can change your life. No, you can't. You need people. That's the way you're created. You can't fix yourself. Look, quick story. Oh, God, look at the time. When I let you go, you run, Okay. So I've been battling um, dizziness and vertigo for a month and a half, two months. It's, it's been on and off. Last year it started in April, a year ago, 
over a year ago, and it was really bad. Each April, May, and June, each month I got it for a week bad, but now it just, it's, it's just there. And I, I just tell people, I'm foggy. And so I tried everything, all the exercises, you know, they do. And it wasn't doing anything. So I called the doctor and do a phone appointment. I thought, it's got to be a sinus infection because the pain here, and I looked it up, yes, sinus infection can make you dizzy. Okay, it's got to be it. Doctor says, sounds like a sinus infection. I go, look who's so smart. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> and so they gave me the prescription, amoxicillin. Ten days of amoxicillin. Finished it. Headache came back. Dizziness is still there. And finally I go, okay, there's only one last thing I think I know to do here. Because, you know, it just, I, I wouldn't even go to the gym right now because I told Olivia, what if I go there and get dizzy and pass out and they call an ambulance and the newspaper says, old pastor passes out at gym. <laughs> That's shameful enough, right? <laughs> and so I go, okay, it's, I've had this wisdom tooth growing in the back, bottom of my mouth back here for a couple years, you know, because I'm a guy. <laughs> and so I go to the dentist on Thursday, and I said, it's because it's wisdom tooth, and I have this headache pain, and it's dizziness, and it's got to be this. He looks at my mouth, he goes, oh, it's not a wisdom tooth. He goes, no, no, you have an infection, you have an abscess, you're going to need a root canal. For two years, I have felt that thing. For two years, I self-diagnosed myself. But I finally had to go to somebody who understood that better than I do. And he said, that's not your problem. This is your problem. Ah, see, you can't self-diagnose yourself. You need people. We all do. You can't be alone in this thing. You can start to dialogue, talk. Now, let me get back to the issue. You, the creation of God, Right now, there are 100 trillion cells in your body. Did you know that? Every one of those 1 trillion cells, in every cell of your 1 trillion, there is a 3.4 billion letter code. It's four letters, but it's coded. There's a message in every one. 3.4 billion letters long. Isn't that crazy? It's coded. It's a message. It's information. If we went to the beach, all of us went to the beach today. If we all went, okay? We're all, we're all going, okay? And say, I'll use you. What's your name, bro? Tito. What is it? Tito. Tito? Okay, Tito. Let's say we're all there at the beach, all of us. And we walk along the beach, and all of a sudden we look in the sand. I go, look, Tito. And in the sand it says, I love you, Tito, signed God. Written in the sand. Now, would we sit there, all of us go, oh my gosh, that's incredible. A wave came in with seaweed, with some sticks, and when it rolled out, it carved this message in the sand. And it didn't finish, and a crab came along with some seaweed stuck to it, and it made this letter and that letter, and that's it right there. Would we deduce that from that? Would we? No. What would we say? Oh, somebody came here earlier, and they wrote this down to Tito, huh? Okay, who did it? Who did it? Because we know that someone with a mind and a thinker designed that and wrote that message. Did we not? Do we not? In your body, 
trillion cells, every cell, 3.4 billion letter code. You're designed. There's design in you. There's a message in there. It's a message from God that you're important, that you're the highest creation of God. Look, 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 look. Put, watch this, watch this. I thought I was done, but I'm not. <laughs> Genesis 1.31. Watch what God says. At the end of the days of creation, this is the end of the sixth day, he says, God saw all that he had made, and behold, it was not just good, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, six God made us, and we are? We're very good. Okay. okay, okay. Anybody want 20 bucks? Who wants 20 bucks? I bet you do, don't you? Get your own 20 bucks. Now, Somebody screamed at that. <gasps> Anybody want it now? I stomped on it. You do? Why would you want it? I, it's all crinkled up and wrinkly. It's stomped on. Why would you want it? Tell me why. Still worth 20 bucks, huh? Yeah. And here's the thing. People say, well, my background, what I've done in my life, how I messed up, I did this, I'm through three marriages or whatever, and I see I'm an addict. You're still worth 20 bucks. Because the image of God is on you. And so when you come to God, if you let him, through relationship and fellowship, God starts to take out the wrinkles, huh? Oh, God takes out the wrinkles. Year after year, as you keep facing up to those issues in your life and keep growing up, pretty soon you're wrinkle free because God is healing you, because you're participating in that. But you've always been worth the 20 bucks. Doesn't matter what's happened in your life. Remember that. Walk in the identity of that, of who you are and what God says you are. And when you do that, you change your whole life. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media, on Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.